Our God reigns. I am always amazed when the service comes together in such a beautiful way, and that ties in well with the sermon this morning. They had no idea, but just a little glimpse again that our God's alive, he cares, and he's at work. Welcome from Myerstown to each one here this morning. Thank you for being here. We're going to take a little jump back in history before we get started to 1854. There was a man by the name of Sir Roger Titchborne, and he was a member of a noble English family. And he and others were in South America, and they boarded the ship to head back to England. And when they were on route, the ship was lost at sea, and all were presumed dead. His mother was obviously devastated by this news, but yet she was convinced that Roger was indeed alive. And so she put out various inquiries and advertisements in newspapers and just inquiring about his whereabouts, offering reward um, if anyone would have any information or could tell her about Roger. Fast forward 11 years, in 1865, a man showed up on her doorstep claiming to be Roger Titchborn. He said that his name was Tom Castro, and after a shipwreck, he was saved and taken to Australia where he worked as a butcher, and obviously his name is Tom Castro. And he must have convinced the lady Titchborn, and she indeed adopted him or reinstated him as her long-lost son. Now, a few years later, Mr. Tom Castro tried to lay claim on the family's fortune. And it was at this point that other members of the family said, wait a minute, we don't believe who you are. And so they launched an investigation, and this led to various trials taking place of who this guy actually was. The investigators claimed that this man was actually a London board butcher under the name of Arthur Orton. And in these ensuing trials, various people stood up to Castro's defense and, um, and witnessed on his behalf. But there was one thing that this man, um, Tom Castro, could not do that Roger could do, and that was speak French. And that was, in the end, betrayed him as a fraud. And Tom, Roger Titchborn was never found. This morning, we will look at who is Jesus there's many people who claim he is a fraud. There's many people who don't, do not believe that what he says is who he says he is. Who is Jesus? Now, if we had time this morning and everyone would answer that question, we would get all different answers, correct answers. Who is Jesus? This morning's sermon is not going to shed light on necessarily a new idea. In fact, what I'm going to say, you're probably going to know already. And yet, that's not uncommon in our church services. But this, this sermon is, I believe, very foundational to who we are as Christians. Because by you being here, you are believing that Jesus is who he says he is. If you wouldn't believe that, you wouldn't be here. And so this message, I believe, is, is the very essence of who we are as Christians. And your answer to that obviously dictates why you're here this morning. And unfortunately, in the world around us, there's a lot of disillusionment. And that comes from a departure from the Word of God and shifting to an understanding of who Jesus is by the way we experience Him. Because the way we experience Jesus is so different at times from what the Bible says. And so instead of realigning our experiences, instead of realigning how we see Jesus, we, can, we make the Bible say what we want to say. And so all across the pulpits of America, there's preachers preaching their experiences of Jesus and not what the Word of God says. And so this morning, I want us to look 
at the clear word of God, to see what it says about who Jesus is. And I, my, my cry this morning is that our knowledge of Jesus would grow, but it's more than that, and that our relationship to this Jesus would be strengthened. A child is born. This baby was born in Bethlehem, as we know. Angels announced his birth. Shepherds and king visited him. There was even an attempt at a murder of his life. And his very coming to this earth established a holiday in which a mini economy is all based off of. There's traditions, there's songs. But who is this baby? We, we say we know him, we talk about him, we sing songs about him. But who, who is this Jesus that we talk about? And if you were to ask the world, who is this Jesus, they would give you answers like, well, he's a good man. You know, he, 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 was, he was a prophet, a unique individual maybe. But who is this Jesus? And this morning we're not interested in what they say about him. We're interested in what the Bible says about him. And Jesus has said of himself, before Abraham was, I am. And that seems like an incorrect use of the English language, but it's not. That I am is actually the name of Jesus, the name of God. He was claiming to all there that he is God. And that was the unspeakable name of God to the Jews. And they called it blasphemy. They wanted to stone him right on the spot because he called himself God. So was he a fraud or was he actually who he says he is? So who is Jesus? The Bible declares that he is overall, God forever, all-powerful and holy sovereign. The name of Jesus in Philippians, it says, he was given name above all other names. What does this name mean? The first aspect of the name Jesus means the I am. That's what Jesus called himself. There, it's Jehovah, Yahweh, all caps Lord. If you see that in your Bible, all caps Lord, that, that's the name, the I am. That's who it is. But there's another part to Jesus' name. It's the Hebrew word Hoshia. It's an action verb. It means to save. So when you put these two parts together, you get the I am saves. That's the name of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? The I am that always was, he saves. And that's incredible. So what, what does the Bible also say about Jesus? And does it back up his claim of being God? Paul writes in Colossians 1 where it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. As Jesus walked on this earth, as he talked on this earth, the very essence, the very fullness of God was dwelling in Jesus Christ. Paul also says in Philippians 2 that Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So as Jesus said to those Pharisees and others that before Abraham was, I am, that was not a sin for him. He was not robbing God of anything because he is God. He was equal with God. Now there's an interesting story in Mark 2, uh, the verses here. And this is the story of the paralyzed man where his four friends carried his, his bed up on top of the roof. Jesus is there speaking in, in, in the house and he's surrounded by all kinds of people and so the only logical way to get there was to take the roof off and go down through. And this is how Mark says this. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, 
Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? It seems strange to us that a man who was paralyzed, who was in an obvious need of some mobility, some healing, that Jesus would look at him, on him and say, your sins are forgiven. He never asked for forgiveness. He never confessed any sins there that is recorded. Jesus looks at him. And see, Jesus is using this particular situation that he is in to showcase who he is to those around him. And if you read the Gospels over and over again, that's what Jesus is doing. Every situation, he's showing who he is. It's giving us a glimpse into the very nature and person of Jesus Christ. And I believe that's what you and I are called to as well. Every situation we are in showcase who we are in Jesus Christ. And the scribes were, were exactly correct. Only God can forgive sins. But that's the very person who's doing it, right? Jesus is God. and He forgave this man's sins. And so at that point, then the man stood up and he walked away. So Jesus says he is God. Jesus lived as if he was God. And the apostles and everything else reaffirmed this, that Jesus Christ is God. What's coming next is a compilation of scripture done by Eric Ludi that I want to read to you. And I want you just to be amazed at who this Jesus is. So just follow along as I read of who this Jesus is. My God has measured the waters of this earth in the hollow of his hand, meted out the heaven with a span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. To him the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. He sits as king between the mighty cherubim and above all, over all, and in control of all, the creator of the earth, God of all kingdoms of the earth. He combined the sweet influences of Pallades and lose the bands of Orion. He can set the dominion of his ordinances in the earth. He can send forth lightning, number the clouds, and stay the bottles of heaven. He is the mighty God, the everlasting God, over all God blessed forever. The God of the whole earth, his throne is forever and ever. He is the mighty, which is and which was and which is to come. The creator of all things, the upholder of all things, the father of all eternity, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega the first and the last. He is the rock of ages, the head of every man, the head of all principality and power, Lord of lords, Lord of all, Lord over all. He is the prince of princes, the prince of the kings of the earth, he that filleth all in all, the kings of kings, the righteous judge, the king of saints, king of nations, king over all the earth, the king of glory, crowned with many crowns, and he sitteth king forever. And before him all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. None can stay his hand or say unto him, What does thou? Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, he had formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, he was God. When the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against him, he shall laugh and hold them in derision. He is bound by nothing but his own nature. And his own law. He is not limited in power, nor governed in action by the will or the pleasure of any angel, demon, or man. But rather, he is limited and governed only by the dictums and restraints of his living prerogative to gain for himself a peculiar people, to establish his kingdom in this earth, and to shed abroad his glory unto the heaven. 
And in the not so distant future, when he will return to bring terrible judgment to nations, and his feet shall touch down on Mount Olivet, and see it divide asunder, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And all will behold the ancient of days, whose eyes are as a flame of fire, whose voice is as the sound of many waters, and whose countenance is as the sun shining in all its strength. They will see the fiery stream issuing forth from before him, the thousand thousands ministering unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand that will stand before him at the judgment. And all will behold the one at whose feet all crowns will be cast, for he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For he has created all things, and for his pleasure they are and were created. So in concert with the noble King David, I pronounce, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Do you know this Jesus? Does your knowledge of Jesus reflect what the clear word of God says about Jesus? If not, we do not reduce what the Bible says about him. We need to change our knowledge about him. We need to raise our knowledge, elevate our understanding of who Jesus is to what the clear word of God says, not the other way around. This is not my opinion about Jesus. This is not Eric's opinion about Jesus. This is not what we think he is. This is what the Bible says he is. Does the Jesus that you worship match up to what was just read? Who is this Jesus? The Bible declares that he is salvation. And what I just read from, from, that, from the scripture, it's, it's incredible to try to ponder and try to grasp what that is. In our feeble human minds, the, the grandeur and the glory and the majesty of Jesus, it leaves us a little bit stunned and in awe of who he is. But when we also realize that that same Jesus left all of heaven, left the glory that was there, left the presence of the Father, and came to earth. He took on himself the form of a lowly man and dwelt among us. And he looked at us and he longed for relationship with humanity that he had created. And so he wanted to redeem us for his pleasure. He wanted to redeem us for his glory. He wanted to save us, to, to give us life. And so he came. God himself became the perfect sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could be spotless, sinless. He came. King of kings, Lord of lords, came to die. That's why he came. And he came. He knew he would be rejected. He knew he would be ridiculed. He knew he would be scorned. King of kings scorned. And yet he came. And this, this trying to balance the worthiness and the, and the grandeur of Jesus with this fact that, that he came to die, that's what we as Christians ponder every day. It's a mind-blowing reality that we are, we are thinking about. That God became man to redeem man for himself. And to our earthly minds, it's, it's foolishness. There had to be some other way, and yet to God, this was his plan all along. And we know all that. We nod along, we say, yes, amen, and yet to stop and ponder afresh what Jesus did for each one of us is incredible. And Jesus did all those, all that he did for his enemies. 
And why? Why would he do that? And yet that's the, that's the peculiar question. That, that's the puzzling part of asking, who is this Jesus? He did all of that. So not only is he grandeur, not only is he holiness, not only is he all-powerful, all-sovereign God forever, he's also meek. He's gentle. He's compassionate. He's kind. And he desires to restore us to a place where we can have a relationship with him. Who is this Jesus? Speaking of himself in John 14, he just said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is one salvation through which we can be saved, and that's Jesus Christ. When Noah built the ark, there was one door. If anyone wanted to be saved, it went through that one door. There is one salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. That is the way. The world has their ways, but they don't lead to Jesus Christ. They don't lead to salvation. Jesus is saying he is the absolute truth. There's truth in this world. Some tend to argue that. But we, for the most part, I believe we all, the world would agree that one plus one is two. There's truth. But there's no truth that saves. Capital T, truth. Know that truth. That truth is going to set you free. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way. He's also the life. He is only, he's abundant life. Not just the life that we have this morning as we sit here and we breathe, but abundant life. Life everlasting where we can live in this side of eternity with fullness of joy, with peace that passes all understanding. Because we have a life in Christ, we can have life here. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way. No other name. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus came, he became salvation, he saved us, but he didn't stop there. Now he sits on the right hand of God the Father, and he's pleading on your behalf and on my behalf, right beside the Father. Who is this Jesus the Bible declares that he is the creator. And this might surprise you. I think oftentimes we, we have a high understanding of who Jesus is. But we also tend to limit the work of Jesus to what he did on the cross. And I'm not diminishing that work. But Jesus is the creator. Now the, the Trinity all played a role in creation. The Father, he is the source of all that was created. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. But he did so through Jesus Christ. He's the executor of that. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, The one Jesus Christ by whom all things are saved. And then the Holy Spirit put the finishing touches on in Job 26, 13. By his Spirit he hath garnished the heavens. And there's an early Anabaptist writer named Peter J. Twist who says, That is the only eternal divine being there is, a true Father of whom all things are, a true Son of by whom all things are, and the real Holy Ghost through whom the Father and Son operate. That is the Trinity, all present in creation. But looking at Jesus Christ specifically this morning, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt 
among us. Do we truly understand that? We, we read that. Some of you probably have it memorized. We know it. And yet it seems to kind of lose its meaning and its, and, and its depth. That God became flesh. He was before creation. He created all things. He took the form of a man, and the very people he created didn't even recognize him. And he dwelt among us. That is the Jesus that we are talking about. Paul in Ephesians 3, 9, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world was hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who created all things. God is the source, but he worked through Jesus Christ to create all things. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, speaking about Jesus Christ again, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So not only did God create all things through Jesus Christ, they were created for him, for his glory they were created. I want to look at that last phrase, by him all things consist. The Greek word therefore consist is soon east to me. It means to, to put together, to, to unite parts into a whole. Essentially, it's the glue. It, it's to combine. It's saying Jesus Christ holds all this thing together. Look at the Bible. Interwoven throughout the entire way, Jesus Christ holding it all together. The church, different elements, different people, different parts held together by whom? Jesus Christ. He's the glue that holds us together. But I think to... To look at this a little bit deeper, we need to look inside our own physical bodies this morning. And there's, there's something in there that I want to look at. The smallest building block of our bodies is called an atom. Now, atoms combine to form molecules, and molecules form, form to make proteins. And then it goes on from there. We'll, we'll stop there. I want to look at proteins this morning. Why are we talking talk about proteins? Proteins are very important for our body. They perform various... Um, functions. They provide structure. They carry out certain functions inside of Excel that is important for us. There's one an important one called laminin that we're going to talk about. Now laminin is important because it, it provides structure. All right? it, it's, it's the lining of our organs. It's, it's in our skin. Without laminin we wouldn't be able to be here. We would just be a puddle. It holds us all, all together. So laminin has a rather important job in our bodies, this particular protein. But why are we talking about proteins this morning when we're talking about Jesus? And that is because laminin, in, as unique as it is in its function in the body, it's unique in its structure as well. And while I didn't know about laminin until a while ago, when you see what laminin looks like, you'll understand a little bit why it's important. So first of all, I'm going to show you a scientific diagram of laminin. Three parts forming across. This is the very protein that's holding your body together. And now if you, if you care, there's an electron microscope image of laminin. A small protein in large abundance doing a very important work in our body. And I believe this is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. How he holds all things together He's the glue that makes everything stick. 
And just like Jesus Christ is in all things, he works through all things, and he's holding it all together. Laminin's the same way. Your cells are abundant in laminin. You don't even know about it. And yet without laminin, you wouldn't be able to come. Without laminin, we wouldn't be here. Without Jesus, our world would fall into disarray. Our physical world, the laws that govern the stars, the physical properties, are all held together by Jesus Christ. So who is this Jesus Christ that we talk about? Spent how long talking about Jesus? But are we any closer to understanding who he is? Jesus himself said he is the I am. His life lived it as if he was the I am. His glory and majesty and sovereignty is displayed all throughout the scripture. He is salvation for all. He is creator of all. He holds all things together. But who is this Jesus? And I believe what Jesus wants to ask each one of us here this morning is who do you say that I am? That's the important part. We can look at all these things. I'm not asking you this question this morning. Jesus is, who do you say that he is? Picture the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Sovereign God, sitting on his rightful throne and asking each one of us that question. Jesus asked his disciples that question. He said, first of all, who do men say that I am? And they answered him, he said, John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, Jeremiah, another one of the prophets. Jesus said, okay, but who do you say that I am? Remember the comment by Peter? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. If that's how you're going to answer this question this morning, it's going to radically change your life just like it radically changed Peter's life. And every one of us needs to answer that question. Who do you say that he is? If you look at the life of Peter before that declaration and after, you're going to see a very different man. And if you choose to answer like Peter did, you're releasing every claim on your life. Everything you hold dear, you're saying, it's yours, God. I don't want it. You're accepting him as his rightful place as Lord above your life and allowing him to work through every aspect of your life and you're going to be wholly committed to him. In return, you're going to have that abundant, everlasting life that he's offering. But if you choose to reject Jesus, to you that's death. Everlasting death. This morning I wanted us to look into the clear word. I wanted us to see afresh who this Jesus is. And I hope you did that. I wanted our knowledge to grow I wanted our, to have a clear understanding, a clear picture of who this Jesus is, but not just so we would head knowledge, but that our relationship with him would strengthen. And I hope that you see a clearer picture, a more, a more full picture of Jesus Christ this morning because of this. Who is Jesus? The world has its answers. Some call him a fraud like Tom Castro. Some call him just a good prophet, a good man. But God doesn't care about any of that. He wants to know, who do you say that he is? And the answer to that question will impact your life. It will impact your attitude. It will impact your perspective on life. It will impact the decisions you make. And ultimately, it's going to influence your destiny. Who do you say 
that I am. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the clear word of Scripture that you have given us. Lord, thank you that we don't have to preach from our life experiences or, or to what we think that who Jesus is, but we can know. And thank you, Jesus, for coming, for leaving all the glory and majesty that was so due your name, leaving it all in heaven and coming so that we could have life, so that you can have a relationship with us. And Father, may each one of us leave this morning, not just with a bunch of head knowledge, but with a longing and a desire inside of us to know you more. And Lord, as we answer that question that you asked your disciples, who do you say that I am? Would we all be able to answer that like Peter did? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you have done for us. Dismiss us with your peace and your grace, for your honor and for your kingdom. In your name, amen. Nate, what's up?